I'm Steve Mokler. Welcome to Rogers Music Tour. Let's rock. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, today is a big day. Um, this is a culmination of a lot of things. It proves the power of the internet, the, the power of music, the powers of song. Uh, my mentor a long time ago told me that his single biggest regret is that he never got me uh, to being a reader. And he feels like when you find a book that you enjoy, you're not reading a book, you're having a conversation with an author. And my immediate response was, that's why I like music. I like music because when I find a song that I can gravitate towards, I'm having a conversation with the, the songwriter. Rarely do you go and find someone who is the songwriter and the singer. And today we have someone that encompasses all of those gifts and does it with a humble heart, uh, a servant's heart, and a man that loves his family more than he loves anything. And when I think of my friend Steve Mokler, I think of the word perspective. Uh, I reached out to Steve a few years ago, mid-pandemic, with some crazy ideas as a storyteller myself that loves to tell the story of music. And uh, one thing led to another, and he um, kind of shot my idea down because it was maybe not realistic, but it led to a friendship. And um, because of that, Steve has decided to grow his hair out, travel the country uh, and the world, sharing the gift of his songs. But he is uh, he's Americana. He's from a steel town, which we'll get to. He uh, moved to Nashville with a, a hope and a prayer, uh, got married, has children and has stayed uh, strong and true to his beliefs uh, from a steel town, if you will. And I'm not talking about Billy Joel. I am still talking about our very own version of downtown uh, Easter Alexa, Mr. Steve Mokler. So, Steve, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Rogers. That's a heck of an intro, man. Huh. I appreciate that. Thank you. I was going to try to roll in like a version of all of the songs, like all the old songs, all the ones that like OGs know, but yeah, also the new stuff too, which this is a, a huge deal for me because as of, I think, two weeks ago, I don't know how you've been doing it, but I've been trying to keep up. You've been dropping your new music kind of weekly. Isn't that kind of the, the yeah, approach? Every few weeks, yeah. We, it, 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 they were, they're flying by, but yeah, the, the whole idea is, you know, we got the record drop in August 12th, and I think starting in June, we just, we're, we're coming with a song every month, and we got one more that will drop a week before the, the album drops. So it's, it's an exciting time. You know, it, this is a very fun season when you're, sharing your creations with people and you know building anticipation or at least trying to and uh it's it's real exciting man does it make you want to go to the lake you know does it like you know maybe it, even... it, it it really does you know you know what's funny it's it's kind of ironic i mean this whole record and, and even the let's go to the lake song kind of has this theme of like having you know creating you know margin in your life and reclaiming the things that are important to you but when you're when you're in a you're in a record promo zone it's 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 yeah it's I, kind of the busiest that i get at the same time so I'm, I'm having to listen to my own songs to uh to get some perspective you're making people have fun um which is a good uh a good ambition but but before we get to all the new stuff i, I want to make sure people get an understanding of, of who steve mokler is and you know I, I know that you have a unique background in the sense that you probably didn't uh wake up as a six-year-old saying i'm going to be a country music singer songwriter and i'm going to go and save what is pure in America. Where are you from? What, what, what's your background? What's your story? And, and what got us where we're at today? Definitely not, man. Uh, so I was, I was born actually in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, my, my dad is a, is an architect, handyman, uh, worked from home, always worked for himself. He had an office in our basement and, uh, had an amazing music collection, you know, stuff oh, wow. like Bruce Springsteen and the Eagles and James Ooh. Taylor, Bob Ooh. Seger. Ooh. Uh, and that's that's kind of that was kind of the stuff before I, I just listened to secondhand, you know, uh, just sitting there drawing, hanging out with my dad. And 
Um, my mom is a, she's a mental health nurse mm. and has, has been a, just been a nurse, I mean, her whole career, just like, so I think about my parents, I think about, I mean, they're just very strong, very, they created a really stable life, you know, which as a kid is a kind of a wonderful thing, you know, feeling like you just have this, this stability at home. It always felt like a really safe place. And um, they always modeled hard work to me. They always, and they always, at the same time, they never really got caught up in the rat race either. I just feel like they were kind of slow and steady, wins the race kind of people. Um, don't you have very, a song? Isn't that like one of your songs? I have a song called Slow Down, but I don't think I have Slow and Steady Wins slow, the Race. Whoa, 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 Slow, yeah. See, I'm, I, I, they, anyways. I do have a song called Slow Mo. That's what that the See, I just remixed both of them. I just did a mashup of two Steve Mokler slow songs. Dude, you did. And slow is, is one of my favorite words. I, I, I'm into it. Um, but yeah, man, wonderful people. Like I said, my, my dad and my mom both really introduced me to great music that a lot of that, you know, that just that great 70s rock singer songwriter kind of stuff. And I really soaked that in. And uh, but I really didn't have a I always enjoyed music, but I really didn't have that ambition until I was I was 14 years old. Um, up until then, I was more into sports. You know, I, 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 I never really felt like I was even a very like artsy kid or anything. I was, I was into sports and playing in the woods and, you know, all that, you know, riding my bike, all that kind of stuff. But like kind of uh, like were you filming Stranger Things before it was Stranger Things? <laughs> I it, it was a lot like that. You yeah. know, it, it was it was a lot like that. It really was. Uh, I, I approve. Yeah, well, thank you. It was a good I, I really had a good childhood. I enjoyed it. And, it, and I lived in the same town, you know, I lived in, I saw, so I'm sorry, my move from, from New Jersey to the Pittsburgh area when I was four years old. Hmm. So I don't have a ton of memories in Jersey, but I got a lot of family there and a lot of roots and history. And that's part of my affinity for Bruce Springsteen. I think, uh, you know, listening to his music is kind of transcendental for me. I imagine my dad's town he grew up in, you know, because yeah. I spent a lot of time, I, I have all these pictures that go through my mind and, when I listen to Bruce Springsteen, uh, but yeah, man, I was in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania, just a very, very average middle-class American town. Nothing really too spectacular about it, um, except for you know the TV show This Is Us. I'm sure that was on ABC. Yeah. So that that the cultural setting of that TV show is actually Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. Really? Is this where you tell yeah. us that Mandy Moore was the one that inspired you to become a musician? No, but she she definitely, you know, was has, has been a has been a secret crush for a long time. But we're not gonna get into that. But wow. I but uh that is the setting of the show. They said it in the first episode and they never say it again. Huh. But but if you've seen the show, like most people have, that really is it's a it's a fairly accurate representation of of where I grew up. So it's kind of cool to get to point to that and which just kind of brings it full circle to what you're doing now is like, you just, you're, you're Captain Americana, you're Norman Rockwell, the singer and Bethel Dude, I, Park. I mean, seriously. And then I, if, if, this is us. I only watched it a few times, but it, it's like wonder years, 15 years later. And, and it just is, yeah. it's when you want life just to like slow down and, 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 and pause knowing that everything is just good and real. There's not real distractions. There's some purity still left in the world. And, you know that that's what's in your your music so much so to where literally uh what's the, what's the make a little room one of the latest ones right it's like I, yeah. I hear this and i'm like damn it this is literally written for me where i even press fast forward in the song to get to the chorus which is you know an irony in, in, in itself but who, oh, who wow. would you say uh other like springsteen obviously you gotta love and respect springsteen if, even if you're not a fan but 
who, who was the first artist that you heard and you're like okay I'm, I'm 14 years old i'm gonna pick up the guitar and this is potentially going to change my entire life yeah you know it was that's a great question because that again that was this that was the music I, that i didn't choose right and that was kind of but it's still some affairs but when i was about that's about 14 is kind of when you start to find your own stuff and um for me it was kind of it was in that napster era mm. and i think the, I, I think it kind of started with the dave matthews band but that that led me to john mayer uh, okay. so so dave was kind of a I, you know the sound of dave and the the scene of dave when you're like 14 trying to find a crowd there was kind of this built-in thing with the dave matthews band it really got me interested to the acoustic guitar but then i then i heard john mayer like i mean like a month later and i felt like it, it was the songs yeah um, and that that I mean, that that was like definitely a a huge moment discovering John Mayer and his his Room for Squares album. What year uh, did you get out of high school? 2006. OK, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older than you, but so you would have been. Yeah. So like My Body's a Wonderland was when you were probably like a freshman in high school. And um, yeah, yeah and it was what, right about then. Welcome to the real world, he said. What's his big his first song? No, uh, no such thing. No such thing. Yeah. Yeah, I used to see. Fun fact: I, I've been a John Mayer fan for a long time, and I think he's from the uh, the Northeast as well. He's from, uh, he's from Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut. I'm, I'm a huge Guster fan, and in college, yeah, I would dude. go see. Really, I would yeah. go see Guster, and I actually have autographed Thunder God wrist guards. Their 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 drummer plays with his hands, and they call him the Thunder God. But oh yeah. John Mayer used to open for Guster, and so I would see him play back when he kind of looked like you. He was just this you know, tall figure that could play the guitar and you just was like, there's something special here. And then all of a yeah. sudden, you know, the world uh, caught wind of John Mayer. So 14 years old, you, well, you pick up a guitar and you teach yourself, you take lessons. Obviously you've got an artistic family. Something must've pushed you differently there too. Well, you know, um, so I, I had, I, I honestly picked up a guitar and, and I just, I did take lessons, but I felt like my, the, fir the first uh, lessons I got was the guy was kind of trying to teach me how to read music. And I've never had the patience to read music. Um, so because, because of my ear, I could hear things. And I, I was I, I, by no means like a prodigy, but I could just hear things. And that was how I would figure stuff out. Um, nothing impressive, of course, you know, like not like Bach or anything, but just simple pops and country songs and stuff. So I would, so I didn't really, the, the lessons didn't really go well for me. I started to look up tabs to learn my favorite songs. Um, and then as I learned chords, my first instinct was to write songs with the new chords I learned, which I guess looking back was kind of indicative, you know, that I, I had a bend towards songwriting, but that was really my, that was what really, that was a thrill for me. Learning, uh, maybe learning a Hooting the Blowfish song, right? Like a couple chords and then going, what can I make up with this? Wow. And that's, and that's what I started doing. And it was, and it was really just my way of kind of processing all the angsty, you know, stuff you feel when you're 14 years old, you know, and um, trying to make sense of it all. And just, it was very therapeutic for me. I, I loved doing it. And that was kind of how I started spending all my time. Do you remember the first song you wrote? Yes. Oh, what was it gosh. called? It's embarrassing, dude. It's embarrassing. It's, it's called... It's called Dazed and Confused. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, there's another group that we're waiting to have on the podcast that have a song. Led Zeppelin um, oh, had yeah. a song 
Days and confused. Yeah, they there theirs is a lot better. It's a lot different. Did people uh, know that Led Zeppelin covered a Steve Mochler song? Days and confused. That and that, then, that news is breaking right here on the Rogers Music Tour. Uh, and Richard Linklater, all, whatever his name is, he actually did a movie about it too, where Steve Mochler yeah. is the one that broke Matthew McConaughey and Ben Affleck. So Steve, once again. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Like, well, wow. I, I, I don't think I was. I don't think I was even familiar yet with either of those things. Maybe it was subliminal. Maybe I picked it up somewhere. But it was just. It was a. It was a very, very emo. You know, even had some traces of pop punk in it. You know, just it was. Uh, it was a bad song. But Did you hey, find I, yourself putting on makeup and then trying to join the Cure, or was no, it just? I, I didn't quite take it that far, but I was about halfway there. I okay. was halfway. so you're you're telling this story and it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite uh songs by tracy lawrence if the world had a front porch and there's a lyric in there that says it's when i learned how to play guitar and when i learned i had the gift and so for Mm -hmm. you that might have been around the same time and i think that obviously i i my one of my biggest regrets in life is i i cannot sing i truly can't i will but i can't but i never put time in to learn how to play an instrument and I think a lot of guys go through that, you know, and gals at 14, 15 years old. But at what point did you have a light bulb? You're like, OK, Days of Confused was my first. It's not my best, but there's something here. And I want to yeah. go and turn it into a, a lifestyle, into a career. Yeah, you know, I think it was um, it was shortly after that, man. I mean, so so I, I started writing these songs and, you know, the kind of natural instinct was. And I, it was an opportunity. I went to a school where there happened to be a little bit of a, of, a, of a band scene. I don't mean like, you know, a school, you know, marching band. We had that too. But there was actually uh, a couple bands, you know, and, and, and there, there was this, and we'd go play the fire hall. We'd play the community center. So I kind of had this outlet that even some of the, you know, so when I was a freshman in high school, I was I was really looking up to the guys that were in band that were senior year in their band. I thought they hung the moon. Mm. So as well, so I had these icons like John Mayer, but I also had guys in my school that were a few years older than me that were like, oh man, they they hundred people just came to see them play and they printed their own CD. So I kind of had these short term goals I could see. And I, I kind of illuminated a, a path to get started and kind of, you know, made it feel like even these steps were possible. And I had, you know, people doing the, the kind of thing I wanted to do, which I, I've talked to a lot of people in Nashville who, you know, have said that's pretty unique. Like that was people like, dude, no one had a band in my school. Like I didn't have any of that. So I, there was kind of this cool little, I don't know, uh, this little scene. So I, so got, so some guys in my class, you know, once played the drums, one started playing bass and I, they, they just kind of started working up the songs I was writing and they helped me write some of them too. And that's the thing too, these bands I'm talking about, they weren't just playing covers, they're playing original material. So it was kind Which, of- By the way, this is, this is before like the, uh, I mean, American Idol was around, but it wasn't super trendy for people no. to go and perform their own stuff. No, no. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it was kind of right around the time that was coming out, but that really wasn't something that we were looking at um it was yeah it was just it was kind of it's like i guess I, the best i could say it, it was kind of like a little bit of an indie rock thing that was never the thing i loved but it was at least a, a spot where i could you know participate and there was, there was little stages and shows and and i think so i so i i had opportunities to play on these little stages for my peers 
And they really affirmed what I was doing. You know, I think at an early age, getting to go on stage and, you know, I was never great at school. I was never great at sports. Um, so I kind of felt like, oh, I, I, it was a gift to be 14 and get up on stage and feel like the girls like noticed you, you know, and, and some of the cool guys were like, man, that's cool. You know, it was, it was definitely a, a really affirming thing. You know, that it's a time in life where you're really looking for your identity and your place. And um, I felt like music really gave that to me and I, and I held on to it. Um, so it wasn't, well, I, again, I wasn't immediately going, I need to make a career out of this, but I at least felt like it gave me a, a place and an identity and, and um, something that was special. And yeah. of course I loved that, you know, I yeah. think, I love that's, that. that's got to be overwhelming too. When I was 14 years old, I was collecting baseball cards and autographs and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I, I knew that I didn't have any gifts. Uh, and so that probably had to be pretty daunting or intimidating to know that at a young age where you're, you know, on the dawn of puberty and becoming a man and evolving and, you know, the awkward, you know, early teenage years. But how did you go and, and, and mold that in your head to where you literally made a move? across the world across the country really across the world from where you were at to you know nashville yeah it was so try to abbreviate this a little bit um so my high school you know we, we, i was in a high school band and we kind of took it i'm so sorry how loud can you hear that bath up there it's okay <laughs> it's like, we, okay it's uh, real it's, life it's, by it's the way what was the name of the high school band it's authentic it, it, it was called my evergreen avenue i like um, that yeah, we tried pretty. We were trying way too hard. Oh, I like it. But we were trying nonetheless. Thank you for that. Um, so we took it about as far as we could go. And by that, I mean, you know, we kind of got to the spot where we were opening for bands that were coming through town. Not big bands, but, you know, bands that could headline a club and bring 100 people, you know, and we would we'd open up. So we kind of had this little connection with the, the a small promoter in Pittsburgh. And by the time it came to be senior year, my band was breaking up. Everybody, you know, everybody's going to call. It was kind of a thing where who's, we, we like, we, we've done this as far as we can. We did a sold out show at the Hard Rock Cafe. And it was a storybook ending for our high school band. And then it was, uh, it was you know, the real world was kicking in. Um, and, and I was I was the one who was like, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm really serious about this. And everyone else wanted to go to school. And so I, this, during my senior year, I recorded a little CD I guess a solo singer songwriter CD and it was at my mom's co-workers husband's basement so he it was just a hobby for him he did it for free and I took that little CD and my when my high school band was playing one of our last shows I gave it to the singer in the band that we were opening for um and they were on a little indie label it's not that CD it's it's a it's a few before that man I'm talking really? uh Oh yeah, man, I yeah. thought I, oh wait. No, what I'm talking about isn't even up. You can't really? find it any, you can't find it anywhere. Damn it it. You're close, you're close. It, it, you, you couldn't find it because it doesn't exist. It, it, I literally just printed these CDs at Kinko's. It never, this is before anything was even digital. Wow. So I gave this little CD to the singer and I've honestly never done this since. I've never been the guy, for better or worse, that's like, check out my CD. I've, I just never had it. But I did this one time. And he took it back to his record labels, this guy named Brad. I don't know if I'm supposed to say names on here. But there's a guy, there's a guy that, that um, 
had the label and he was in a band LFO. Remember oh, them? Like, I like girls that wear Abercrombie yeah. and Fitch. I know. Yeah. Didn't, didn't Brad pass away? Did he? No, one of the, I think one of the other guys did that I didn't know. Two of them did. There was three guys. By the way, I'm randomly an LFO fan. I used to see them. I've okay. seen them. In, I've seen them in concert by myself, but I know that uh, they were struck by trot. Rich died of yes, LFO. I and I know another gentleman. I'm, I'm getting off subject, but there's three people in LFO. Two of them have passed away. I did, you know, I didn't know that, man. And 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 I, I'm gonna feel extra bad if if Brad had passed away. Um, but he was the guy that um that it was the president of the label. Um so I'm working at a dry cleaner. Brad right? Fashetti. Fashetti, yeah. So I'm working at Red Cap Cleaners, which isn't even there anymore. He's alive. Okay, great, great. And I and I'm not I'm not gonna dog the guy, but this is just this is just this this is the way things happen. So I'm I'm working at this dry cleaner and my senior year in high school, I don't know what's coming up down the bend for me, but I get a phone call from Brad and on my cell. And, uh, and he's like, Hey, is this Steve Mokler? I was like, yeah. And he said, man, I just heard your CD. And, you know, I really think you got something special and I'd love to fly you down here to Orlando to talk to you about giving you a record deal. And I'm 17. I mean, so I'm, I'm obvious. I'm, I'm floating. I mean, this is, I'm levitating. And, I, and uh, let me call a timeout too. If, if y'all can't understand the context of this LFO was in the same breath as NSYNC Backstreet Boys and 98 degrees at yeah. the peak, uh, like LFO was everywhere, big time. So yeah. just to make sure to give y'all the importance of LFO. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I was, you know, I, and I loved that song, summer girls, you know, I can't say I was a deep tracks fan, but it, 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 I knew it, dude, coming from my hometown, getting that phone call, it was like practically a phone call from Mars. So I'm obviously thrilled. And, and he follows up. And next thing I know, two weeks later, you know, me and my dad are going down to Orlando and, you know, we go out to eat and, and he's talking about a publishing deal with Warner brothers and all these big my music video, all this stuff. So he get he gets to the point where he's like, man, I, I uh, you know, if you know if you're if you if this sounds good you got about time to get an attorney he's like i can introduce you to one of my own or you can find your own i was like well i know i don't know much but i know i gotta find my own attorney so i i have only a couple of people i know you know from my these this local pittsburgh music scene but i get connected with this this great attorney um his name is dan friedman he represented he kind of had a reputation of being like a an underdog's representative you know and mm. uh and he basically said he just took the time to talk to me he looked over the deal and he he basically scratched out everything all the all the budgets on it and added zeros to them in my favor and i remember seeing it come through my dad's fax machine downstairs and going okay all right i guess this i don't know anything <laughs> so i'm like that all sounds good well i get a phone call from brad and it goes straight to voicemail and he just says man you know he was he was insulted and he said man uh you know, I thought we had a relationship. You, you know, you're going to have to make a decision. You can either work with me or you can work with this attorney, but you can't do both. And that was the moment as you talk about being a teenager with feeling the weight. I, that was the first time I felt the weight of my future and the weight of my gift. Um, so it was kind of this, this odd mix of it was just this affirm, it really fast tracked the affirmation that I had something and maybe I could make it in music, but it also showed me early on, like 
I have to make a really hard decision and I, and I can't undo the one I make. And it felt so, you know, it was big because it was a difference in taking a record deal, publishing deal at 18 or just not. And what's the other way look like? But my attorney, Dan said, Hey, I know this is a tough position for you, but he said, I really think you've got a lot of talent. Um, he said, but I, you know, if you want to walk this road of music, it's a long road and I'll walk it with you, but you don't want to get in bed with the first person who wants to sleep with you. And that, that, for some reason that was, that yeah. was what, that helped me. It, it lifted the weight, and I felt peace and, 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 you know, something I prayed about. And I just like, so I passed up the deal and, um, but I knew I, so to answer your question, that was something that I was like, okay, well, I, I can't, obviously I can't just turn away from music now. I've already in my mind, I've, I was already on a tour bus making a music video. So I can't just go, I'm just going to go to college and study economics. You know, my mind was already fat, running down the dream. So, um, so I looked up, you know, I was like, where can I study music? and music and I found I literally found Belmont University through a Google search actually I don't think it was Google I think it may have been a Yahoo search <laughs> or maybe even ask Jeeves it may this was ask Jeeves was still a thing at this moment yeah now. and I stumbled into Belmont University and and uh there were some artists in Nashville that I really loved not even country artists but guys like Dave Barnes and Matt Wirtz and Matt Carney wow come on now I knew there was a scene here and I knew and there was a school that seemed compelling. And by the grace of God, I got into it because I, I really, I got turned away from other schools I applied to that were easier to get into, but I got into Belmont and it's been one of the, is one of the biggest blessings in my life just because it was my segue into this town. Did you, where'd you meet your wife? I met my wife, um, in here in Nashville, but it, not at school. She went to MTSU, which is about, uh, 45 minutes from Nashville, but it was kind of in this moment where my buddies were all graduating, I would have been graduating. And, and she was, she was dating, basically no, she wasn't dating, but my roommate was dating one of her good friends from MTSU. And my, my wife, Gracie, moved into Nashville. And it was kind of this really fun period in life where it was kind of like the college years after college, you know, where no, nobody, everyone's should, like, I don't know, we should call anybody. it, do a TV show, just call it Friends. Yes. Honestly, it, it, was, it was a lot like that. It really was a lot like that. Uh, not, a, not a cool, swanky apartment in New York City. It was, it was a, an old drafty house in East Nashville. But all my but you know, really or, half of my buddies got hitched with girls we were having fun with in that period of time and met in that period of time. So. Or we call it the real world, Nashville. It, it, yeah, it, yeah I, that's, that's a way, much better reference. It was okay. It was, yeah. So, so you get out of, and I, I want to get to the to the meat and potatoes, uh, the music part. Nothing more important than Gracie and and, and the family. But you know, sure. I, Nashville is. You know, there's a song, another song by uh, Sean Mullins called "Rockabye," and I remember there's a lyric in there that talks about um, L.A. is Nashville with a tan, right? Yeah. And, and I've lived in L.A. I tried to do the acting thing. Obviously, here I am on a couch. I bought at a, a vintage store uh, selling real estate <laughs> in Dallas. But uh, you know, I don't I don't know what the numbers are, but you know people moved to Nashville for really one reason. And now it's to sell real estate to the rich people, but it's for, right. it's for music. And so uh, I don't, I, did you know what you were going up against? And, you know, obviously you beat the odds and you continue to beat the odds, but do, do you remember the first time you had to make a real sacrifice, whether it was leaving Pittsburgh, leaving Evergreen Avenue, going to Nashville, going like, do you remember that first time where you had that pivotal moment where you're like, all right, 
I'm really in this scene and, and it's a business now. And I think that's what's hard too, is a lot of the innocence is yeah. lost. Maybe when yeah. you see your passion collide with competition, what, what was that like? Yeah, oh, man. I mean, there's just so many of those moments and I, so the, there's a, the moment that comes to mind for me and it was when I, after I had dropped out of school, you know, it, cause, because being at Belmont was this really, really neat thing because it, it was kind of a bubble where we were doing music and we were making music, but it wasn't a business yet. You know what I mean? There was this, there was this safety net a little bit. So I saw amazing talent that truly humbled me and blew me away. And I had that, you know, the, the, the suddenly, you, you know, you, you left the small pond and now you're in the big pond, that whole analogy where I was like, okay, this is not going to be easy at all. Um, but it, it didn't feel like a business yet. Um, and I, and I was really honestly inspired by everything I was, I was seeing. And, um, but it wasn't until I dropped out where I dropped out after two years not with some great opportunity, but again, I just, you know, I, I had that run in with a record label, um, when I was 17, and then I, I that attorney I mentioned kind of brought me into I had a showcase for several major labels and kind of had a lot of almosts, but I, it was just I was just ready to run it down, man. I couldn't sit in Spanish, you know. I was I was going, so I dropped out with my parents' blessing. But um, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, hey, we support you, but you know, you're paying for your car, you're paying for your phone, you're paying for your rent. They wanted me to feel it. And uh, that, I think I was great. And I did. So I was working some odd jobs um, and trying to book shows from my laptop. And it was super hard. Um, Cause hard enough to book a show, but then the, to go, to go do these, the first shows I did were, I mean, they were just, they were really tough, man. I mean, serious flops, you know, and, and just, just grinding. Like it was just not, you know, I think I just, just, I, I was losing the, the naivety and the, the blissful ignorance I had Yeah. Um, and being humbled. You know, I, I think, I think in some ways kind of some of those record label talks I had, I think truly probably inflated my ego a little bit and kind of made me think this was going to be easier. But it wasn't until I'm booking a show in Nebraska at a sports bar on a Tuesday night for 250 bucks, and I just drove nine hours, mm. and I can't sell a CD that I hand-printed at Kinko's, you know? Um, mm. That was the kind of stuff where I was like, what have I done, you know? And what am I doing? And how is this going to work, you know? Have you, have you heard an analogy? Like, how, what's the best way to describe Nashville which I love. Abby and I always tell each other, if we didn't live in Dallas, we moved to Nashville and not yeah. to live on, not to hang out on Broadway, but you know, it, it's, it's a lifestyle that uh, I think Nashville's most underrated, unique city in the entire country, more than new Orleans, more than Miami, more than Vegas, more than New York. But how would you really describe it? Obviously I'm not a singer or a songwriter and I don't have a talent in the music world, but what, what's it, what's it really like? Somebody that's listening to this, you know, wants to do it or is wishes yeah. they did or glad they didn't. What, what's it really, really like? Well, man, I, I think it, I, I honestly feel as, I mean, I, I'm telling you about the hard stuff, right? And yeah. there's plenty of that, but I, I, I think that Nashville is honestly, a, I, I have found it to be a very welcoming city. 
you know, and I can only speak from my own experience. Uh, I know a lot of people came here and just left, but for me, it was a very welcoming and continues to be a very welcoming place, a very collaborative place. Um, and I think I would say it's a place that where work ethic is, is as important, if not more than talent, you know, you, and I, I think people see that and, and they, and they really champion that. Um, so you can't just come here thinking, oh man, wait till everybody sees what I can do. That works a little bit, but it's a very, it's a business town. It's a professional town. And I, and it, and I think it has a lot of Midwest values for being a, for being an entertainment city. It's, I, I don't think there, I think people are pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty solid. Uh, and, um, so I, I love it here, I, but I think the the challenge is there are a lot of incredibly talented people here and they're coming here in droves every single day. So you can't rest on your laurels. Um, and you've got to, I think really embrace that next generation. Um, welcome them and work with them and cheer them on, you know? And uh, I, I saw a lot of people when I was that fresh generation right off the boat, you know, my peers at Belmont, I'll never forget going to some of those first shows and, and being stunned by people. And you have that thought in your head that goes, I shouldn't be here. Like I don't belong here. And, and I learned quickly how much you got to just shoot that thing down and, and go, just just witness the gifts of people you know and and celebrate the gifts and 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 i think channeling the greatness you see into inspiration um is the only way to go because i saw a lot of people just put their guitars away and never take them out again you know and now they work like a casualty of war yeah and maybe that's their their path you know but so it's it can be a very intimidating place um but i think it's a really at the same time really welcoming place and and it's really just about songs, man. I think that's what I love about it. It's, it's, it's really, at the end of the day, this whole town just wants to hear a great song and wants to write one and wants to see one win, you know? Can I ask you a loaded question? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm asking this from a fan perspective, also from a, like, I think getting older, it, getting older is a blessing and a curse, right? And I, and I, um, I regret that I have a, a, a pretty good level of discernment and um, I process life pretty quickly. I tell you this where um, Don Henley, great song named our daughter after, after Don Henley has a song called the end of innocence. And sure. I, I tell you this to where I'm not in the world of music other than this, as you started to go and feel Nashville and as it came at you at a really hyper speed. Yeah. With all due respect that it potentially cause you to love music less when you realize that it is a business, right? And even what you're saying, and obviously it proves your work ethic where some people that had true talent packed it up and left. And when you started to see this and you're this New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Orlando, big fancy lights, and then Nebraska sports bar selling seat. Was there a point in in your career where you kind of were like, oh God, it's a job? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I think that's, that's a feeling that, that can, that comes and goes sometimes, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I ever got stuck in a, uh, I guess I would say a rut of that thinking not, um, or like lost on, you know, tuned into that channel for too long, but that's definitely something that, that, it, that bounces around in my head. 
from time to time. Usually when you're, when I'm up against obstacles and when I'm feeling insecure and uh, yeah. maybe tired, you know, cause it's, it's a grind, right? It's the, the fun, but, but I, I think the thing that keeps me excited is again, it's, it's that sh- the, the thrill of the chase of a song. I, when I hear one, when I get on one, um, that's the, that's the, that's the, I don't know, man, that's the nectar for lack of a better term. I, it, it kind of snaps me out of it. I think if I go too long without hearing a great song, a new great song or, or writing a song I'm excited about, that's usually when I, that thought creeps in. Mm. But as soon as I stumble on that magic, whether I'm listening to someone else's or stumbling on my own, um, that's, that's really what snaps me out of it and reminds me how special it is. It's the power of music. It's the, the yeah. power of a song. And I think that life, you know, at any given moment, the first time you met Gracie, the first time your child was born, your first kiss, your first, there's a song that was playing. And whenever you hear that song, you remember it. Uh, and I, I want to yeah. kind of, I want to segue that into a question I'm excited to ask you. you you're, you're a true artist. And obviously, I, I didn't know your dad was an architect and your mom was in psychology. It kind of makes sense where that's just the way that, you know, stories are told. You build the story, you tell the story. People like me understand the story. You've written songs for yourself, uh, which, which we're going to get to. You've also written songs for people ranging from Dirks to Ben Rector, who's one of my all-time favorites to Reba to Jake Owen, who's, um, um, you know, I, I think he has got some of the greatest hair in music. Um, definitely. No matter how he cuts it still matter. Yeah. The guy, Jake Owen, if you're watching this or listening, yeah. Well done on the hair. Um, a nice flow. Nice incredible, flow. incredible flow. And also has a great base tan. All this is a spray tan, but Jake Owen loves to play golf. And um, anyway, what what was the, the first song you wrote that made it big? What was it? And, and and like tell the story. What was the first time that you had a song on the radio? Whether it was you singing it, someone else singing it, uh, um, and who was the person that, that made it happen? Man, it was it was um it was riser by Dirks Bentley, man. Um, that was, a, and continues to be a cr- incredibly surreal thing. I, you know, I, that was, uh, something I never saw coming, you know, and whenever we wrote that song, I wrote that song, my buddy Travis Meadows and we were not, you know, there's days where I'm on music row and we're swinging for the fence and trying to think of what so-and-so artists might want to sing. And that, that day was not that we were just, we were just writing our own song and um, didn't have ambitions for it. Just pouring our hearts out in song and, um, and Dirk's family heard it. I mean, rumor has it, he just immediately fell in love with it and his producer. And, um, but I never had that experience of, of a big artist, you know, loving the songs. So I didn't really know what I was in for. It wasn't until, um, you know, I remember, I'll never forget waking up one morning. I was, I was newlywed and, you know, just trying to get everything going and not knowing what the heck I was doing. And I remember opening my laptop and seeing this email that came out from Dirks and it was like riser, the album, this whole Epic video. And that was the title track. And we were just looked at each other. We're like, Holy crap. And it wasn't long after we heard it on the radio and uh, super, just insanely cool, man. But that, that's definitely the first, first like wow moment. Well, my favorite version of riser is sung by Steve Mokler which is also, did you sing it first? What was the story behind it? Was it your, your song that you sang and then you released it to the wild? So, it, so 
when I wrote, I wrote it and I was, I, and I was honestly, in the, I was planning on recording, which I did. It's on my third album. It's called wide open. Um, but Dirk's Dirk's record came out first, um, which was a p- kind of part of the agreement. And I'm totally fine with that. It's like, he wanted to drop it first, which I'm like, yes, just drop it. I don't care. You know? So a few months after he released his album, um, my wide open album dropped and, and our own version is down there, but thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. it. It's a pretty, pretty different version. What a, uh, what a giver. You let Days of Confused be sung by Led Zeppelin first and Riser by Dirk Bentley. Uh, a man for the people, Steve Mokler, everybody. Put it on Wikipedia, man. Let's leave it up till somebody edits it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, who else? What other people have you been able to collaborate with in, in, in the country music world? Like who, who have been some of the other stars that have just blown you away with what you've been able to do in your career? Um, well, I mean, dude, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I've, I've, I've been able to, so, so the, I've been, I've collaborated with, with more bigger stars that necessarily haven't gotten a song on their record. So it won't show up anywhere, but you know, I've been able to write with like Charles Kelly. He's an amazing singer, incredible voice, awesome songwriter too. So is his brother. Shout out to my friend, Josh Kelly, who I yeah, was friends he, with in LA. Dude. I, and I love, and I loved, um, Josh, that his singer songwriter album with the the hit he what was that what was that amazing hit? baby you're amazing I love that dude yeah. I loved his whole vibe that was, I was into all that stuff but he Same. is great and he you know who uh-huh. he married he married Catherine Heigl yeah so yeah. cheers Josh him. yeah good for him, man um, uh, anyway man. Charles Charles Kelly who else Charles Kelly um dude it's crazy I I was able to write you know I wrote with Marin and you know kind of ran and around with with her in that scene before when she was coming up um and, dallas uh, girl shout out to dallas. dallas girl dude another fun little texas girl connection um on my second record um watching time run so i feel like i'm, I'm like stretching for name drops here no 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 late, and, and late, we're gonna get there because it's his latest album is fun. his seventh album and that's not including the one that we're gonna track down at the nebraska sports bar and the boy band that he was a part of in high school. We're going to, we're going to find that and I'm going to frame it somehow. And it's going to be the centerpiece next to Jimi Hendrix hair and the Steve Mokler blue jeans autographed record. Let's but, go. Okay. Let's hold go. on. I'm, so I'm, On my second album, um, there's a song called best thing. And if the, the, the girl singing backgrounds on that record um, was this girl that had just moved to town. She was in the middle of making her first record. Her name is Casey Musgraves. Oh, her, and, oh uh, weird. It's, okay. It's, right. From so, Winona, Texas, which dude, borders dude. Miranda Lambert's hometown of Lindale, Texas. It's it's odd. I'm saying all this to say, man, it's it's really odd to be have been. I, I still feel like a young guy in a lot of ways here, like in Nashville. But I've watched several stars bloom. I go from like, oh, you want to open for me to superstar, you know, it, 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 that's a crazy thing. And, you know, Florida Georgia line was at Belmont at the same time as me. Really? Yes. And I, I and I, uh, so I knew those guys in college and remember seeing them play in a hotel lobby for 10 people one night that I was performing at. I mean, it's just mm. nuts to have these stories and I'm, I'm still only 34, but I'm like, I'm going to have a lot more of these by the time I'm, you know, they, they roll me away. here. So. Yeah. You're, you're the glue. You're the mayor uh as a music fan not like that not like that no but listen you're all those you're part of a generation i think country music has evolved music has evolved so much and i think country music is the only genre i'm I'm 42 i'm older than you but i think it's the only genre that has evolved with 
relative class and also it's it's grown for the better over the past 20 or 30 years i think that you talk about these bands singers the singer songwriter genre in itself will always be safe thanks to james taylor john mayer ed sheeran etc but country music has evolved so much so to where you mentioned florida georgia line they're a groundbreaking group they literally have the most stream song ever because of that one with nelly but it's grown so much where this group of people it's like you're the rat pack of country music where it's the next generation that's going to be with us for the next 20 or 30 years. So um, seriously, you should, uh, you should celebrate that. Well, I know I, I do think it's very, I do think it's really cool. And uh, you know, and it's just, it's just neat to witness that, you know, to, to watch these stars, you know, take off and have all these little remember when stories and, and, you know, it's just, you're it's just, one of the stars. Well, you're, dude, <laughs> you're one of them. You're kind to say that. I well, appreciate Okay, so back back to being a music fan, like I, I think like if, if you were to have a duet with somebody, who would be the the even though you've done Marin Marin Morris and Casey Musgraves and Charles Kelly and all these other superstars, but who would be the one person? Would it be Springsteen? Would it be bringing your band back from high school? Who would be the duet partner of your dreams? Eric Church. Really? The yeah. Chief? The Chief, man. Uh, and I, I guess duet, I don't know. I, but like, you know, I, I kind of mentioned I had that, you know, when I was 14, the, the John Mayer thing that kind of like just completely rocked my world. I feel like when I was 24, I had that experience. I guess I was probably a little younger, maybe 22. But when I had, you know, discovered Eric Church, um, it was kind of like I was falling in love with songwriting all over again. Um, so he, he's, he's been a huge influence for me as well. Man, I, um, yeah. I, 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 want, I don't want to interrupt you. Finish what you're going to say. No, they, that was that was my last point. I, I guess I was saying I don't know if I don't know if a duet is what I would dream of, but I would love to just write a song with him, you know, as a fan. And I love I love his songs. I was I'm going to admit something, and I don't know why I feel called to do this, but I lost my grandmother in December, and she's my best friend. And every once in a while, I'll kind of have a conversation with her. And I don't know what happened this morning, but I was in my backyard early in the morning. Dogs were using the restroom and I just kind of looked up and I started talking. And then in my head, I trailed off and I was thinking about how powerful music is, even though it has nothing to do with my grandmother, but that's the, the lineage. And yeah. I was thinking like, where would Brooks and Dunn be without an, like alcohol? Where would Garth Brooks be without heartache? And where would Eric Church be without anger? Right. But in a good way. And I think Eric Church is such an underrated human where he's found a way to go and take like this, like rough and gruff persona, but his lyrics are beautiful. And I think one, one of my favorite songs yeah. ever is record year. And then also kill a word. And he has this, you know, kind of aura about him that I don't feel like that's, I don't know the guy, but I feel like he's this like sweet and gentle soul that has levered kind of anger, you know, not, yeah. not him, but he, like, he just has this look and this vibe about him that, um, you know. Yeah, very aggressive. Yeah, aggression. Yeah, that's a better word, not anger, but aggressive. Yeah, but, but it does. It does. It, there is there is anger in there, you know. But yeah, I, I just think it's not what you know. The thing I love about Eric Church, it's it's not. He does have this persona, the shades, the whole thing, and I think and I think that's great. I think it's separated him and and given him an identity as you know for the consumers, right? But I think, dude, his just songs are just so good, and I I, I just I. And then again, I every, every basically every conversation we have, I, I end up coming back. It's all about songs for me, and that's. But he's been so consistent. He makes albums. You know, he's an album artist, and he's not chasing the radio. Of course, he's had a lot of success on it, but just have a ton of respect for him. 
and I love uh, it. Yeah. All right. So back to the songs, and and we'll we'll wrap yeah. it up. You're you're stuck on an island. Yeah. You're allowed. You're allowed one song. It doesn't have to pay on re- repeat nonstop, but you're allowed to have one song forever. What's the one song? And it's okay if it's one of yours. Wow. Well, oh, I probably should have thought about this. I, I know you sent me that questionnaire over, but I wanted to. Share no, it. I didn't. We can't. That's cheating. This is all natural <laughs> conversation. I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I was, my I'll point t- was I haven't looked at it. Is what I was going to ah, say. I'm not. Go. I don't. I'm not. I don't do my homework. I did, I was just like I was just talk. I, did, I didn't even look at it. So I was like, it's like was there uh, something on there? But uh, I'll man. tell you mine first. Mine and, and it kind of it, it's our friendship too. The the band the weight. I'm telling people mm-hmm. this. I think the weight is. It's not necessarily my favorite song ever. Um, but I think it's the it's it's the greatest story told in a song. I think ever. And it's the only song I can listen to. And I don't get sick of it. I learn something new every single time and I can visualize it. And that reminds me of a Steve Mokler's song. I think whether it's Siddler's Saloon or whether it's Slow Down, like I can in my head, you paint a picture that is such a gift. And so my answer is the weight by the band. You're up. That's a great that's a great call, man. Um, incredibly hard. Uh, I think, man. I can't tell you how hard it is answers, but I'm going to go with the first thing that came to mind. And it's, it's actually not even a song I listen to that often, but it's a song that speaks to a very just deep kind of speaks to my core, but it's a still haven't found what I'm looking for by you too. Oh, fantastic song. Uh, but I think if I was on an Island, I could, you know, I, I think I'm so in the craft and I'm, so, but, but I think that song is just like this, you know, core primal thing, um, mm. spiritual, you know, that I think, I think might help me if I was on a desert island. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. yeah, I think, it's uh, so the first time that's been answered and, uh, like beautiful song, you too, Paul Houston, also known as Bono and the edge, uh, wrote that mm-hmm. song for, I think Joshua tree was the album. I might be wrong. Yeah. The only thing that's frustrating to me about that song is it when I also hear where the streets have no name, the beginning reminds me of it's like I it's so hard to differentiate. It's yeah, like trying to ask, yeah. it's like trying to ask somebody the Family Matters theme song versus Full House. It's like, is it the same song? But do yeah. oh, oh. <laughs> um Great okay. all right. Yeah. And then uh last music question. Your super group, Steve Mokler is the lead singer. You're on a world tour. Who's your drummer? Who's your bassist? Who are your background vocalists? We talked about your duet with Eric Church. You're going to write a song with him. It'll be the greatest song of all time. But who's yeah. in your super group? Dang, man. All right, let me think. Dude, and it, so, and it doesn't have to be about harmony. It's not, it doesn't have to be the Beach Boys. But does everybody have to be famous? No, nah, I mean, no, but maybe okay. it would be helpful for our audience, right? Yeah. So, dude, here's something I'll say, man. I, so, uh, again, talking about uh, the first, the first drum, the first like serious drummer I ever had in Nashville was a guy named Jake Goss, um, and he played on my first couple records. And he is now in the band Laney, um, who has since blown up. Which again, watching another star, you know, take off. But uh, and it's so cool what he's done, man. But he's he's still one of my. I, I would love to play drums with him again. Um, so talk. I, I don't know, man. And I'm, I'm definitely much more of a relationship guy, too. So I just freaking miss that guy. So, I, But it also is cool that he's become a true bona fide worldwide rock star. So I feel like I can actually put him down as my drummer. and People might know who we're talking about here. I love it. So you got, your, you got your drummer. Yeah, I'm going with um, 
Mike Campbell on guitar, lead guitar from the Heartbreakers. I'm going. That's a that's a, that's a musician's pick, by the way. That's yeah, a, that's you. You just I know who he is just because I, I I have to know who he is. But that's that's a I mean that's a real pick. Okay, a, good. Yeah, I mean dude, I, I mean, appreciate it. But you, yeah. you, the Heartbreakers, which was a group from uh, Gainesville, Florida, um, Tom yeah. Petty, lead singer, and Mike was also one of the songwriters for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, so yeah. That's a great pick. And dude, you know who I'm throwing on bass is uh, I'm throwing Cheryl Crow on bass. Wow. Because because I'm gonna get her. She, she's gonna be singing too. She's probably gonna be taking lead a little bit. We're gonna. It's gonna be. It's gonna be super dynamic. Um, wow. I love Cheryl Crow. People forget she plays bass, but I just remembered, and I'm telling you why. I'm putting her in my, in my band. Bonus question: What's the band called? The Tuesday Night Music Club. Oh no! My, oh, I thought you meant Cheryl Crow's band. My, my <laughs> no, band. you're no this the band that you're a super group. Oh, dude. Um, what do we call? I, I see don't. This, I see you stressing. I am stressing, dude, because I, I want to have a great name, and it's hard on the spot. But uh, let's let's be the punch drunk kickers. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that wow. too. All right. Well, we'll see the punch drunk kickers as soon <laughs> as we promote your seventh studio album. Uh, and, and y'all that are uh, on the internet that have social media, Steve Mokler, M-O-A-K-L-E-R. That's how you follow him. But how do we go and uh, and promote and love on on you and your career where we can go and uh, put you to the top of the charts? I appreciate you asking. I mean, honestly, I think the best thing you could do if, if, is, is go listen to my music. And if you if you like it, screenshot it share it make a reel um and come out and see us live we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be hitting some shows in august and uh we'd love to have you celebrate this new record coming out so i love it last question what does music mean to you music is is the way that i connect to the world around me um, it's, 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 it's a vital life source, um, for me, whether it's creating a song, uh, it's, it's an amazing way that to, to connect with, with my peers. And it's, it's one of the deepest, richest connections that I, you know, that I know of. And, um, uh, it's also the way it's, it's, it's led me to so many people that resonate with the way that I feel and the way that I see the world and even people that I don't, it's, it's led to some really great conversations. So. It's a, it's a, it's a vital life source, man. But ultimately it's, it's, it's about connection. Uh, and it's given me an amazing life and amazing community. Well, we, when we are grateful for you and we appreciate you and on behalf of all the fans and all the people that you bring joy to on a daily basis, thank you. And thanks for being so relatable and um, just being consistently you we appreciate it i i love being able to support you and call you a friend and i know that through this vehicle we're going to be able to have so many more people uh be able to follow your journey so thanks for being on us today I'm, I'm i'm very very appreciative my friend thank you rogers i've really enjoyed it man and i really appreciate you and i love what you're doing so thank you for for having me on here today you're welcome